I'm Susan Lubay for Women's Focus, and today we're welcoming Elizabeth Groginski to speak to us on Women's Focus. Thanks for taking your time to speak to us. The first question that I have and what I've really been wondering is you've had a lot of experience in early childhood and other programs at various places, and what made you decide to come to New Mexico to help with starting a new, a totally new agency here? Yes, uh, thank you, Susan, and thank you for having me here on Women's Focus. You know, it seemed it was just the right thing to do for three main reasons. One was to work for a visionary leader like Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham, someone who is very clear about what her objectives are and what her goals are for families and for young children. So that was first and foremost her focus on collaboration and coordination and equity and quality really spoke to the work that I had been leading for many years in the District of Columbia. And second is this passion that I myself have for building early childhood systems. It started when I began my work in Head Start and really understanding all the factors that you need to have in a community for families and children to be successful. And so the opportunity to think that I could come and help a state that I do love um, so much to realize a vision that so many had had for years here in the state of New Mexico, advocates, legislators, and of course the governor herself. And then I think third, because I did grow up in Colorado and visited New Mexico many times, it was always a place I thought, wow, what an incredible place and a state, and wouldn't it be amazing if I could ever live here someday? So these three oh. factors kind of came together in this incredible way <laughs> at the right time in my life because I just finished five years in the District of Columbia, really leading and building their early childhood system uh, birth to five. So it seemed that, the, as people like to say, the stars had aligned, and it was a great opportunity to come back to the West. Well, that sounds wonderful. We're so lucky that that happened and everything was coming together that way. I wonder if you felt that uh, you said that there's so many people here in New Mexico who have been working on these issues for so long. I wonder if you felt as though we were at a point ready for something new or ready to bend things a little bit. How did you feel about that? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, as I, I read more and, and began to meet people and learn, you could just see the the concern that so many people had for those staggering statistics that we see too, you know, too often here in New Mexico with the 50th in child well-being, 49th in you know child poverty, and then knowing that what the research has been telling us for well over a decade or more about these early years, this prenatal to five period of life knowing that if we can deliver on that promise of high-quality early learning experiences for families and young children, we can change the trajectory uh, for their learning, for their health, for their development. And so I think that it wasn't something that happened overnight. It was definitely something that a lot of thoughtful people spent uh, many hours of their day uh, thinking about and working together, and that includes the advocates, again, the legislators, and then having a governor who came in with such a clear vision and a focus on early childhood and knowing that this was something she was going to put her 
um, all of her energy into, and clearly she did. I mean, to get the department within her first few months in office and then to follow that with the Early Childhood Trust Fund in the second second legislative session just truly shows, I think, that power of the, the political and the public will was there, and people wanted real change for New Mexican families and children. I'm thinking back to when Alice King, working with a, a number of advocates, started the Children, Youth, and Families Department, and that was another time of real excitement in New Mexico and a lot of purpose. Alice King had a lot of purpose of, about her. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure what the new department, the difference between the Children, Youth, and Families Department and the new department, but I think it's extending the programs or the considerations down to birth, actually. Is that what, you're, am I right about exactly that? Right. You're exactly right, Susan. And it is, it's a, a department that's looking prenatal up through the age of five. This is our focus. Now we do run the child care development block grant in this new agency, which does provide child care to children up to the age of 12. So we will be really focused, though, on those first years of life and thinking about how do our programs better connect to each other and to connect families to resources, but also really being a voice for that period of development, sitting at the children's cabinet with our colleagues, with my other cabinet secretaries, really looking at how do our systems currently support families and young children? What are ways that we can redesign the system to more effectively meet families where they are and help them access the programs and services we know that are so vital for their health development and well-being, and also making sure that those programs are of high quality. New Mexico has done a great job over the last decade really investing in a quality approach to all their early childhood programs, whether it's early intervention, our family infant toddler program, which is for infants and toddlers with developmental delays or disabilities, they are looking at quality, the quality of their interactions with families, the quality of their service delivery, uh, up to our pre-K programs, who are also both in the public schools and in our private settings, looking at the quality of interactions, the relationships, and how we can continue to develop a stronger early childhood workforce, which is predominantly women. Exactly, which is predominantly (laughs) women, the focus of your show. And so... These are some of our lowest paid individuals in the state doing some of the most valuable work that we could do for our future. And that is something that this new department is charged with, first and foremost, is to look at wage, career, compensation. How are we building a strong early childhood workforce that can thrive themselves and their own families can have access to paid sick leave and health insurance and a good wage that they can support their family on so that when they're in the classroom or they're out at a a home visit or working with a family with an infant and toddler with a disability, that they have what they need so they can help meet the needs of families that they're serving. And this is something for this field that we really need to get serious about um, because we're asking a lot of them on a daily basis and we're not necessarily providing them the supports that they need to be their best there in the classroom or in the home visit um, working with families. 
I think I said as we were leading up to this conversation that a long time ago I was a coordinator of child care resource and referral in New mm. Mexico, and the new governor who came in got rid of that program. He got rid of that program because he thought that it was telling parents what to do, that mm. giving them the resource and referral was too intrusive on parenting. And I wonder if you have encountered any sort of reaction like that. We did hear a little bit of that through the legislative session regarding our home visiting. I think there's some misunderstandings in terms of what some of the programs and services that we do. I mean, they're really focused on, they're all voluntary. And they're really meant to support parent choice, family choice in terms of what works for them. So if you can imagine you're a young family, you need to go to work, you need childcare, where do you begin? You need to call somebody to say, what are my options? Oh, you could do in a family childcare. This is what this setting is like. Oh, it's a five star. What does that mean? So mm-hmm. we really see a resource and referral as critical because there, there are a lot of choices and those choices mean different things for you and your family. Some may only operate till five o'clock, but you're working a late shift. So that's what a resource and referral, a strong resource and referral network can do to support families who are very busy, often have next to no time to be thinking and making these critical choices um, that are going to dictate, you know, the overall health and well-being of their child. The other thing is that it helps the resources also if they can be in contact because they can share different resources and different information with each other. Exactly. And, we, you know, we've seen this with the COVID, the public health emergency, the way that our resource and referral network has connected providers to each other. They're sharing best practices. They're learning from each other. The distribution networks that have been just established, again, through that resource and referral hub, being able to be a connector and connect providers to one another, especially in the early days when the supply chains were not working really well in late March, early April. The community was able to come together, and I think without that strong resource and referral system that was able to connect them, it would have been much more challenging for us as a state. So you are able to proceed even with the limits of of the virus? Yes, and proceed in terms of setting up the new department, Yes. Yes, we have a a good focus right now on the essential work of early childhood care and education. I think we're seeing it not only, you know, as what we all have known is it allows families to go to work or to go to school with our essential workers in the healthcare. In the early days, the hospital associations were reaching out saying we need help. We were able to establish a survey and learn who needed care and establish those systems. So there was not a break for them. We had a lot of good feedback from the hospital association. This was incredibly helpful. We were able to connect our employees and keep people on the front lines, preventing the spread of COVID. Ever since, I mean, it was helping families, reducing their anxiety by saying, we've got your contracts covered. We're going to waive your parent co-pays. You know, stay at home with your child. Do what the governor is asking you to do. Your child care will be there when you return, and we know that we have a lot of things still to work through in terms of group size and the kind of requirements that we'll need to make sure all of our 
facilities have as we start more and more people coming back. But those were critical things that, you know, because we were able to act as this department prenatal to five, working with our early intervention providers to immediately move to telehealth, be able to get reimbursed at the in-person rate, um, working with our home visiting programs and our pre-K programs to do continuous uh, virtual learning. It was really, I think, the ability, because we have the department, even though we're not official, we, we have a structure, we were able to work very quickly to support the birth to five provider community because we were a unified whole. That's the potential, I think, that's really going to be powerful here with this new department and the impact that we can make because we are going to be thinking holistically, prenatal to five, what are the needs of families and young children at each of these critical milestones in this early early life course development. And I imagine it's nice that if you can just focus on that and not have some of the other things that the juvenile justice system and things like that to worry about that CYFD is taking care of. I'm talking to Secretary Elizabeth Groginski of Early Childhood Education and Care Department. Exactly. And for public education department, they'll still be administering the funds, but we'll be thinking very uh, deeply and collaboratively with them about, again, their their four-year-olds, also their preschool special ed programs. And then I also want to say the the food and nutrition program is also part of our new department, and they have done a tremendous job feeding children and families since day one of the public health emergency. I mean, it has just been incredible. We have 151 sites across the state where families can grab and go. We've been helped working with our tribal communities to get meals to you, actually being shipped directly to families. The early days, it was interesting. This is one of those things where the importance of having this department is a lot of the food programs start at age one. And so we said we need to get formula. The babies, what about the babies? How are they going to get access to food? And so we were able to work with uh, Department of Health and the Women, Infants, and Children Program and our tribal liaisons, the Indian Affairs Department, and get formula to all the Pueblos, uh, the Navajo Nation, and our Apache tribes and have continued to work on that focus of the 0 to 12 months old, which oftentimes falls outside of purview. So that's just another example of how vitally important this department is to changing the trajectory to 50th in child well-being to something much more reflective, I think, of the state of New Mexico and the people who live here. And how are you working with CYFD? I noticed that there was a lot of shifting of programs and shifting of funding that had to go on between the two departments, and it seemed as though you were sometimes appearing together at various committees and talking about how money was going back and forth and just being provided various places. So how is that going? Oh, it's going great. Secretary Blaylock is an incredible leader and a partner in this work. What my understanding was during the legislative session in 19, when they were debating the bill and going back and forth, I mean, all the cabinet secretaries were there, Secretary Scrace, Secretary Punkel, Secretary Blaylock, Secretary Stewart came later, so he wasn't there, but really talking about the importance and the value of this new department. So we will be taking all the programming that is in currently in the Early Childhood Services Division at CYSD will become part of ECECD. 
but we'll know that over the course of the next year or so, we'll be collaborating a lot uh, because they do retain, the, of course, the behavioral health work, the infant early childhood mental health work that they do, and then working, we're taking two programs from the Department of Health, Family First, which is a case management perinatal program, the first two or three years of life, uh, but for high-need families, and then also the Family Infant Toddler Program. And I guess I have two questions about the future. I'm sure that listeners are worried and thinking about what's going to happen with this pandemic when things sort of start moving again and families have different needs. And I'm sure you must be preparing and thinking about that. What are the plans and and what assurance do you have that families' needs will be taken care of? Well, I mean, I think that our biggest assurance is that we have Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham who cares deeply about the people of New Mexico and she knows that supporting our families and our children is the key to our future economic success and our small businesses and our large businesses. She, as you know, has set up an economic recovery council and we have established under that at her direction a subcommittee on early care and education to really look at the safe practices, the implementation of those safe practices, what that will take. And so we are looking forward to working with that subcommittee and then helping inform the Economic Recovery Council about the importance. I mean, we know child care, I mean, all the programs that are under ECECD have been absolutely essential during this public health emergency, uh, which means they're even more essential coming out of a public health emergency and that is everything from our food and nutrition programs to our child care programs and to that connection to families at home who have been supporting their children's learning virtually. So we feel hopeful that we're going to come out of this stronger. We know it is not going to be an easy road ahead, but because we have all come together to say whatever it takes to protect the health and safety of New Mexicans, we know that we're going to be in a really good place. I mean, I feel very positive and optimistic about the future, knowing that we are going to have to really come together across the cabinet and with our local community partners to be innovative and to really think about what it is that we need in order for families to feel safe to come back to child care, in order for people who work in child care and in schools to feel like they have the support and the health and safety practices they need to be able to both educate and care for young children and uh, keep themselves safe. So I think these are the the things that we're focused on in the coming months, um, as we're also very focused on starting up the new department July 1 and excited that that is going to be a new opportunity here in the state of New Mexico for families and young children. And before we got into this difficulty with the virus, were you able to travel around the state and and kind of bring your message to some of our rural areas? You know that <laughs> we had a whole we had a whole I think it was a two month mapped out plan. <laughs> we were going down to the Hobbs and the Carlsbad, and we were going down to Deming and Silver City and up to Farmington, and I think it was all going to start the week after the pandemic. <laughs> Uh, began. So we haven't, but we have done, I don't know if you know, immediately on March 16th, we started daily calls with 
all early childhood providers across the state, eight to nine every morning for two weeks. Oh, because boy. things were rolling out so quickly, we we were learning things that we needed to communicate to people, and we I would say have about 400 people um, join us on those calls, and we started. Then we moved to two times a week, and then about a week or so ago, we moved to one time a week. But that has been my way to stay connected. But I am just so anxious to get out there and. You know, when the time is right, but to see this beautiful state and all the different uh, components and the rural. And the, I did have a chance to visit at the Nambe Pueblo and the Cochiti Pueblo and the Sandia with the governors um, in those three pueblos prior to everything changing. But we have been staying connected. We uh, have monthly calls with our Head Start programs across the state. We're having calls with our providers, like I said, once a week, um, to, and we take Q&A. Matt, who you know, is, keeps people informed, what we know, passing on information to them, and really the feedback we've received, the community is feeling even more connected in some oh, ways uh, than they did before. So that, that gives us a lot of – that makes us feel very good <laughs> that through this public health crisis, uh, we have at least been able to – listen, provide support, get them the personal protective equipment they need, give them guidance, get money out the door to help them, and also connect them with other resources that are in the state that are outside of our department's purview. So I am anxious to, to get out there, but only doing it when it feels, when it's safe and that we can start traveling again. Yeah. You mentioned July 1st, which is the new fiscal year beginning. Is that the official start of the agency? It is, yes. They um, they passed the legislation in 2019 in that the department officially begins July 1 of 2020. And I'm sure when you go to the legislature, you're going to be asked how long before we, we stop being number 50th or at the top of the list of the bad list. You're going to have to make some kind of promise, I'm sure. So how are you going to deal with that? What are you going to say? Yes, I think that the way that we're going to change that trajectory for New Mexico families is to really focus on this critical period of development, the prenatal to five, and doing it with, again, not just more programs and better programs, but how do those programs work together in alignment. You know, if a family needs access to formula and food, we want to do that, but we also want to ask some very thoughtful questions about what other things are there. Would they enjoy home visiting? What about home visiting? Do they need to have their child screened? And then it's it's really, to me, and that's where the system, my passion for building systems, is looking at Every system is perfectly designed to get the results that it gets. So currently our systems here in New Mexico are getting results that are better for some children than for other children. So we need to look at how our system can be redesigned. And we've been doing it in the midst of this public health emergency, thinking about how do we expand access to Medicaid, how do we work more collaboratively across our, our departments with secretary. So I think for me it's going to be continuing to encourage that looking at our systems, how do our programs and our services really connect and align to make it very 
seamless for families to get the services and supports they need and that, that what they get is of the highest quality. And that is so everything from their social emotional needs to their cognitive needs to their physical health needs to their communication. We have to be embracing the language and the culture of the people of New Mexico and really lifting that up. And I, I should have talked about that a little bit more, but we have seen that this state is so rich in language and culture. Um, how do we bring that forward so that it becomes really the asset and the strength that moves us from 50th to, I mean, you don't know what that is, but we do. we don't want to be 50th. We want to be Clearly, we want to be number one, and that will be that will be a, a trajectory that we have to spend some time with. But it is going to come through that recognition, embracing, nurturing the languages and the culture of the entire state. I'm really bringing lifting that up because we have seen so much strength coming from that diversity in just my short time. I've been here almost six months, but I mean, you know, people that are working on our team are bringing incredible perspective of what we can really achieve when we do think and support and nurture the language and the culture of the people of New Mexico. Well, that is a wonderful thought to think of not sort of imposing some kind of form, but of encouraging what is natural, what is coming out of the different corners of New Mexico. I guess eventually they'll have to sort of blend together as the yeah. kids get older and get together. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. I really like the idea of preserving what is good about what's happening in New Mexico. I can see, yeah, there's so much, so much good, so much um, richness. I mean, it's called Land of Enchantment for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> and it uh, clearly, clearly is uh, just an incredible, uh, terrible state and incredible people um, who who live here and really an honor and for me and a, a privilege to be able to serve in this capacity and do my part um, with, an, with the team we have and again with the children's cabinet and uh, the cabinet secretaries to advance advance the positive outcomes uh, for children that we, we all want and that everybody wants across the state so we can do it <laughs> it's going to be all of well, us working together. That's, that's something that we didn't mention is the revival of the children's cabinet. And so that's another yeah. good thing that's happening. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mariana Padilla has done a fantastic job, I think, really elevating the issues that impact families and young children. And she's, you know, talk about someone who works <laughs> and dedicates, dedicates herself uh, not only to the state of New Mexico, and she's just, you know, I think, really thinking about, again, how to improve those systems. Uh, and she's always coming up with good ideas and keeping us focused on that collaboration and that equity uh, and the quality of services that we provide. Well, we look forward to maybe checking in with you during the session and Great. finding what legislation you may be working on or you may be supporting or how things are going and just checking out. But it's certainly nice to get this report now to be able to be excited with you about what the prospects are. Thank you so much, Susan. This has been a pleasure to talk with you. 
yes, thank you for for being with us and thank you for sharing this good news.